What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode six of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin. We hope you all enjoyed our interview last week with Danny Dens, a minor league pitcher for the Padres. We had a lot of fun as well. This episode, we get into the latest moves this past week in the MLB, along with our first roundtable discussion on what we believe each team should go after in free agency or pick from their farm system to fill up their gaps going into the 2023 season. But first, let's check in with my co-host, Christian Myers. Christian, how's the week going, man? The week's going good, man. It's been a nice and quick one. We've got Thanksgiving tomorrow, so happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I think... We're all probably excited to see some of those football games tomorrow, especially the Cowboys-Giants game is going to be a thriller. Um, they're going to probably throw the ball a lot to see who looks more appealing for Odell Beckham. So I'm excited <laughs> for the games tomorrow. Hopefully you guys are all ready to eat a bunch of food, hang out with some family and some friends, and have a, a great couple days off from work and just relax. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going there with the Cowboys and Giants uh, pick their discussion there. That was pretty funny. Um, well, guys, as to echo what Christian said, happy Thanksgiving to you all. We appreciate and are thankful for anybody who is listening to the podcast as we roll now into our sixth episode. And we've really, truly enjoyed doing this and hope you all are enjoying this as well. But now looking at our first topic of today, which is just looking at the past week's moves in the MLB, some smaller moves, uh, but some that really are intriguing for one particular team. And we'll start off with the Angels making their big moves with trading uh, for Hunter Renfro and Gio Urshela. Really interesting team now going into 2023 with now filling up some gaps that a lot of people were wondering, does Joe Adele step in now and be the primary left fielder, right fielder, depending on where they put Taylor Ward and what they were going to do at shortstop. And so now being able to solidify some solid options in those positions gives them a little bit more room now to kind of go crazy in free agency. And I especially see them trying maybe to see if they can do a splash with the top four shortstops that are available. Christian, your thoughts on those trades so far for the Angels? I really like the Hunter Renfro trade for them. I don't think that they gave up too much to get him, and I think that they pad that outfield a little bit more. And you get a guy who kind of looks like Mike Trout, so you can hit those two close Identical. to each other in the lineup, and that could be that could be pretty dangerous. Um, and it, another thing it does, too, is it also – takes Otani out of the outfield even more, which will probably be beneficial for his long-term health with his arm so he doesn't have to throw except for those days that he's pitching. So I think that's a good move for the Angels for sure. Yeah, I was a lot of people, you know, I was listening to a couple podcasts on the Angels earlier today. They were talking about some of the arms that they gave up. Of course, they all agreed that they were arms that they didn't necessarily need at this time, and they can look in the free agency market to find some other arms. But really looking forward for the Angels. I mean, like you said, Christian, Otani now has less liability to be out in the outfield and has the ability to focus more on, on uh, his pitching and his hitting, which at the end of the day is his primary – uh, where he's primarily the best at. So really interested to see what happens there. Um, the Twins, just a small move. Add Kyle Farmer uh, in a deal as well from the Reds. One other move that was really interesting that a lot of people kind of were kind of caught off guard with because the Mariners have really been sort of a team that's been making a lot of really interesting moves and could be a potential 
could potentially uh, beat out the Astros for the 2023 uh, AL West division was trading Kyle Lewis, who was the former AL Rookie of the Year in 2020, goes to the D-backs while the Mariners get uh, catcher uh, outfielder Cooper Hummel from the D-backs. Christian, in your eyes, do you see this as a valuable move? Do you see this based totally on the fact that they got Teoscar Hernandez? Or do you think that Kyle Lewis was did need a new location, sort of a new opportunity to get his career back going? Yeah, it's a strange move on its face because you've got a guy who was the rookie of the year a couple of years ago, and now you're dishing, dishing him down to Arizona. Um, but getting Cooper Hummel back I think is pretty good for them because he does cover, like you said, both that catcher and outfield position and just provides a lot of depth there. Um, and he's, I believe he's pretty good on the bases too. So that could be great for them. And then for Arizona in return, they've got what could be a very young outfield with Kyle Lewis, Corbin Carroll, and then Alec Thomas too, who could fill in all three next year and be their outfield moving forward, which would be really exciting. I think with those three guys in their games. Yeah. The, the D backs seem to be in a position now for, what could be a potential wild card run here in maybe even next year, depending on what they're able to do here in free agency in the next two years, plus how their uh, farm system continues to develop, obviously a top five farm system in reference to the MLB rankings. But when you're looking at that outfield, now you have these young, you have these young players that can now have the time to develop in the ML in the pros, not have to worry about losing their jobs it really is an awesome opportunity right now in Arizona and that place. I mean, it's a sweet ballpark. It's obviously a sweet place to play, but really we're looking into the future for them. They continue to do what they're doing, especially now that, you know, they're probably not going to be a team that is a playoff contender moving into 2023. So they're probably likely to get some more draft picks uh, next year as well and be able to start to really solidify maybe even that pitching rotation going into, uh, you know, those latter years moving forward. Looking at the non uh, tender notables, of course, Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers being uh, non-tendered from MVP candidate, rookie of the year to now being non-tendered. Christian, in your eyes, why why this move? Why now for Cody Bellinger and the Dodgers? And any, any projections of where he'll go? Or do you want to save that for uh, our session here in a little bit? Well, I'll save my prediction for where he might go. Uh, but I think it's it was a smart play by the Dodgers. Um, I was expecting him to get traded last year at the deadline, and that didn't happen. So I knew that it was only a matter of time before they let go of Bellinger because of the last couple years that he's had really since that MVP year has been way down um, as far as the offensive numbers go. And, I mean, a great defender, but you're not going to pay a guy $18 million to be – just a good defender and flip a coin on how he's going to hit. So by getting his contract off the books there, you, you save yourself obviously a lot of money to have even more cap space in free agency. If the Dodgers want to go make a splash somewhere um, and do something with that. And then you also don't have to worry about trying to trade him next year, halfway through the year, if his numbers are back down again. So I think for L.A., I mean, they could also go back and pick him up on a, a smaller uh, smaller money value contract too. So interesting 
to think about it as far as the former MVP and only being 26 years old getting um, non-tendered like that. But I think in the long haul, that's probably the smartest move the Dodgers could have made this offseason. Yeah, the Dodgers low-key made some big moves in order to fill uh, to basically take a lot off the books. So right now it's looking to be about a hundred million off the books with guys like Trey Turner going away, Craig Kimbrell, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger and others. And so they're really, you know, putting themselves in a position to really make some splashes here in free agency because the Padres are not slowing down. Of course, with now, you know, Tatis coming back here in 2023. So looking at that, they're going to probably, probably saw that they saw the writing on the wall maybe said, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for us to get some other players in here younger and uh, have proven themselves over time and probably looking to get one of those top four shortstops. Who knows who they get from there? Some other guys, uh, other notables, Alex Reyes from the Cardinals, 100-mile-per-hour arm that unfortunately has dealt with some injuries. Brian Anderson from the Marlins, an interesting non-tender, solid, uh, solid player from Miami over the last couple of years over there at third base. Luke Voigt from the Nationals, who went from the Yankees to the Padres, now to the Nationals. Sort of a wild run for him. Interested to see where he goes in 2023. Jorge Alfaro, catcher for the Padres. He has been non-tendered as well. Finally, Ryan Yarborough from the Rays. Uh, so some interesting names on the list there. Christian, any of them? No, any of those notables that really kind of were you were surprised by? Or did you see a lot of these names you know, being non-tendered here going into 2023? I think most of those guys were probably not looking at contracts coming back. I think Luke Voigt, especially after the whole debacle that was that Soto trade and who was going to go from the Padres to the Nationals and everything like that, I think. Um, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure that Voigt didn't necessarily want to be there, and he's obviously not in their long-term picture. So he'll probably end up back in the American league somewhere I would imagine next year, but for everybody else too, I think it was probably, you could kind of see it coming just based off performance and where all those teams are at. Yeah. Those guys, some of them fresh start will be needed, especially for a guy like Alex Reyes, for example, Um, you know, hundred mile per hour closer for the Cardinals for quite some time. They had, Obviously, in the Cardinals system, had a ton of those types of arms, and so to see him go from a Cubs fan perspective, I'm very, very happy about, uh, but I also was kind of writing on the wall, as I said earlier, for for him to be gone. Well, moving into our next set, uh, segment here of our roundtable discussion on all 30 MLB, MLB teams, us going through each individual team and picking either a free agent or prospect that we see coming up in the farm system that could fill a gap for the team there in the 2023 season for both our lists. We're going to go one by one. We're going to start with each division. We're going to start with the AL West and we'll go from the uh, number one seed from the last year down to the bottom and go division by a division. So I will start off with the Astros. Of course, the world series champs of 2022 at 106 and 56 record clinched the AL West. And of course, clinched the best record in the AL Funny having to ask what gaps they need to fill in 2023 after their unbelievable season in 2022. Many players staying there in in their lineup, but some notables gone. Guys like Yuli Gurriel, uh, potentially Maldonado as well at the catching position. 
both guys that were key pieces there for the team in 2022. Now, for my prediction, Christian, for which spot I see being filled up with potential free agent, I actually am going to look at the first base position. And a couple names on the list I have, guys like Brandon Belt, Jose Abreu, to fulfill Guriel's position. Of course, Guriel's still you know, a projected pick to come back to the Astros, but if they decide not to go with him. I think that they can really see an upgrade there in at first base, which would make them even more dangerous. So looking at Guriel's hitting stats in, in 2022, 242 average and 545 plate appearances, 132 hits, only eight home runs and 53 RBIs. Obviously, his defensive uh, approach made him more valuable for the team and, of course, was a cornerstone there for quite some time. Now, I know, Christian, as you mentioned in one of the other podcasts with the predictions of the World Series, you saw Yuri Gurriel being that guy who's going to have the most hits. Obviously, an absolute gamer and can play and has been at the big stage many, many different times. But I do see the Astros moving on from him and going after somebody like Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu had a 304 average in last year in 679 plate appearances with 183 hits, 15 home runs, and 75 RBIs. That's my pick for the Strohs to uh, fill up their gap in 2022 at first base for. Uh, or excuse me, for 2023, I think Jose Abreu still has a lot in the tank, especially from the offensive standpoint. From first base, I think the Astros probably have somebody either in the farm system or that they can grab in free agency if they want to fulfill that first base defensive positioning a little bit better. Um, of course, they want to probably put Jordan at the DH position for the majority of the time, and then f- and put you know have somebody be able to be at first base for the majority of it, but. If they're able to put Jordan in left and afford that and be able to put Abreu at first base or a DH and find somebody to put over at first base as well, I definitely see Jose Abreu being an option for them moving into 2023. On to our next uh, team here with the Seattle Mariners, finishing out at 89-73, and making, of course, the wild card and making it to the playoffs. Christian, your pick for the Seattle Mariners. So I'm going to go with a prospect here for the Mariners, and that's Zach Deloach. And the Mariners, obviously, as you mentioned, Tyler, at the top of the podcast, have made a couple of moves already to boost that outfield up a little bit with, obviously, Teoscar Hernandez and then Cooper Hummel. Um, But Deloach in their farm system, he's a former second-round pick out of Texas A&M. Last year at AA, hit 14 big flies, and I think that, Deloach is a guy who gives Seattle a bit of a cushion there in case someone like a clinic does not perform to what that everybody's been kind of waiting to see him do, or if they get injury plagued again, like they did a little bit this year in the outfield, they've got uh, a good cushion there in their farm system in Zach Deloach. Very nice. All right, moving on to the third team in the AL West, the LA Angels. Uh, 73-89, and third in the AL West in 2022. Filled with a ton of injuries, especially to guys like Mike Trout and Anthony Rondon. Putting a lot of pressure on guys like Otani and some of these other players in their lineup, David Fletcher to name some, that really weren't in a position to be successful this past year. And so when looking at the moves that they made over the last couple of days, uh, Christian with Tyler Anderson, Gio Urshela, and Hunter Renfro, they're really now they're they're proving that they are wanting to put themselves in a successful position moving into 2023. And looking at it now, of course, if the Strohs are as good as they were in 2022, they're probably going to win the AL West. So they're probably fighting against uh, the Jays 
you know, teams like the Yankees, um, even the Seattle Mariners for that wild card spot. And I think that with that lineup right now, I think they're looking pretty solid and being able to do that. Um, but one thing I was going to be looking at in particular was their bullpen. And so right now, 18th in the uh, MLB for the bullpen last year for Team ERA at 3.95. Guys like you know Ryan Tapera and uh, Aaron uh, Loop, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Christian, uh, are hopefully going to have bounce back years for them moving into 2023. One guy in particular, though, that I saw being a cheap one-year deal guy was a guy like David Robertson. Obviously, had an amazing... Uh, first half of the year with Chicago and was a valuable piece there for the Phillies in that latter half of the season moving into the playoffs. You know, he's not a guy that's going to require a lot of money. Of course, now they've been spending a lot this offseason with, of course, the Tyler Anderson deal and bringing on those other contracts as well. But, you know, now you can add an, uh, a veteran arm, a guy who has proven to be um, not dealing with a lot of injuries and able to withstand a lot of that work for a lot of teams that needed that, especially with the Phillies and Cubs in 2022. So my prediction for the Angels for their pickup this offseason is David Robertson for their bullpen. Now, Christian, moving on to the next in our AL West, looking at the Texas Rangers at 68-94, and fourth in the AL West there in 2022. Who do you got coming to the Rangers? So just like the last team that I talked about needing some outfield help, the Rangers are another one that needs to find a little bit of help in the outfield. And then they also need to get a bigger bat in the middle of their lineup somewhere. And I think a great guy to fill a void for the Rangers is a guy like Mitch Haniger, who I think they could go after in free agency. Obviously, they've got a lot of familiarity with him having played in Seattle They've seen him a ton of times through all those divisional matchups. Um, last year at Hanniger, only with 11 home runs, but missed a lot of time due to injury. I think when he comes back after spring training and after getting fully healthy through rehab and everything like that, I think he's a guy who could be in store for a very big 2023. And I think that the Texas Rangers should go after him hard. Yeah, the team that's willing to spend money and has done so, uh, especially last free agency, a team, of course, that is predicted for a lot of different free agents to go. Um, and, of course, they need to do something, of course, with that new stadium and that fan base really wanting to see something that they haven't been able to see in over 10 years. Now, look, looking at the last team in the AL West, the Oakland A's, 68-94, and 94, really just a disappointing organization, a lot of rumors of them moving to Las Vegas, moving out of town. Probably the best thing for that team as they need a new scenery as the money ball approach has been something that a lot of people have seen from other organizations and like, you know, Tampa Bay Rays have seen to make it work, but man, the Oakland A's have completely fallen off. A um, couple things that I see here that I think they need, as I mentioned, they need a new stadium. Uh, they need to not have the money ball approach that they've had. And they need to extend Sean Murphy as soon as possible. They need to have something for that team to look forward to. Of course, they're now going to be able to build up their farm system. But as we've seen with the Arizona Diamondbacks, it takes a long time. And so they need to be able to uh, hold on to some of those guys. 
I was thinking from my perspective, Christian, honestly, just signing a low risk starter kind of guy like a Kyle Gibson or um, some other arms out there that are just going to you know look for a one to two year deal. Maybe even maybe an arm that you can trade at the deadline to try and get more prospects. You know, they had some guys show up there in the rotation last year. Cole Irvin, Blackburn um, and some other arms as well have showed promises starters towards the latter half of 2022. But man, this is this was my toughest Prediction. Also, my easiest take is that this team just needs to try and figure out something. And I think their big, their biggest move they need to make is just move out of Oakland as soon as possible because they need to give they they need to find a new location, fresh new opportunity for everyone, and relieve themselves of that stress that I, I couldn't imagine what those fans have gone through uh, over the last couple of years. So we're going to move on to the AL Central now, looking starting with the Cleveland. Guardians, I do have it written down as their former name, so I do apologize. 92-71, and 71, the AL Central, pulled away from the White Sox there towards the latter half of the year, and the Twins. Really interesting team now going into 2023. Christian, your pick for the Indians. So I'm going back into the farm system here for Cleveland and looking at a pitcher like Gavin Williams, who was a first-round pick in uh, 2021. Last year in 2022 in the minors, over the course of 115 innings, sported a 1.96 ERA. This is a a super electric arm. He's up 97 to triple digits, and he carries that through about four or five innings deep into the ballgames. So I don't know if we'll be seeing him next year at the big league level at any time. But with Cleveland, I think one of the things that they need to start looking at is that depth in their starting rotation. And I think a guy like Gavin Williams is what's going to be able to give them that moving forward. So he'll probably probably be a guy who maybe goes to big league camp in spring training or at least gets into consideration to be with up with the team on opening day. But like I said, I don't I don't know that we'll see him super early next year, but I think at some point, as long as he dominates in the minors early on in the season, I think that throughout the year when guys start getting fatigued or injured or whatever, he could come up and be a key centerpiece for that Guardians rotation next year. Now moving on to the White Sox, uh, a Favorite of one of our good friends that I know has built a lot of frustration on the south side of Chicago for quite some time. What looked like a promising future has started to now raise concern for a lot of fans and, of course, the organization. Some moves that were made, of course, with Tony La Russa now being out with now Cairo coming in, hopefully bringing more of a steady, more disciplined approach for that team as it seems like they needed that back in 2022. 81 and 81 in 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 the uh, last season, second in the AL Central. One guy that I see from a free agency standpoint being a great signing for the White Sox is Jamison Tyone, a really promising draft pick of the Pirates. Uh, at one time, turned kind of away from being that prolific starter to being somebody who can be in the middle of the rotation from the Pirates' perspective. That wasn't going to work for the Yankees though. This last year. Had a 1.62 walk walk per nine ratio, where looking at the White Sox specifically, they ranked 23rd in all of baseball in reference to that stat. Now, the White Sox, I'll give them credit. 
Lance Lynn, of course, having his injury-prone year last year. Lucas Giolito having his kind of his first real down year after all the success he's had here over the last couple of years. Dylan Cease coming off a potential AL Cy Young award. Of course, with Michael Kopech really starting to build himself into that starting rotation. So looking at that rotation going into 2023, adding a guy like Tyone, you see Cease, Lance Lynn, Giolito, Kopech, and Tyone. Tyone can still be that fourth or fifth guy for you. Or if Giolito really struggles, he can move in that third spot. You know, same thing goes for Lance Lynn. But I think Lance Lynn and Giolito are really going to turn it around. Cease will continue to dominate. And man, who knows what the ceiling is for Michael Kopech as he continues to develop into that into that role. So Jamison Tyone to the White Sox. I'm making that free agency pick. Moving on to the Minnesota Twins, who finished out at 78 and 84, third in the AL Central. Christian, your pick for the Twins. Um, well, you, you, you throwing me for a loop here because I had Tyone on, on my board to go somewhere else. So now I got to figure out another <laughs> pick for a different team, but, um, I can do that. I can do that while you're covering the Tigers. So with the twins, the pick that I'm going to make for the twins, it's a little bit like cranberry sauce at the Thanksgiving dinner. You don't really know what makes it good, but something about it, you just have to eat it. And with the twins, I think that 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 cranberry sauce free agent could be Craig Kimbrell. Wow. Obviously is coming off of a super, super down year in L.A. Uh, Minnesota needs some help in their bullpen. And just even if it's not necessarily as a closer, just as a guy that you can bring in late in a game and have trust in. And I think that Kimbrell could be a good fit to go in there and give a veteran presence into that bullpen. Um, obviously he's got a ceiling that is reliever of the year quality, even though we've seen a little bit of, of regression from him with his time at the white Sox and then his time in the, with the Dodgers. But I think if a team like Minnesota pulls in a guy like Kimbrell, I think that it could be a, a bit of a head scratcher at the outset, but over the course of the year, I think it's a move that could really, really pay off for them. And then if, if their closer next year ends up getting himself into some trouble and seeing uh, a little bit of the same deal that Kimbrell went through last year, then you have a little bit of a backup plan with Kimbrell. You can flop him into that closer role and get some good usage out of him. So, um, so that's going to be my take for Minnesota is, is go after, go after Kimbrell and get him for a little bit cheaper than what you would could have got him for a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, Kimbrell, of course, had all that success with the Cubs, especially when he got traded in that deal that sent Cody Hewer and Nick Madrigal back from the White Sox to the Cubs that a lot of people now are looking at and going, I don't even know who won that deal. But when he went to the, the White Sox, of course, heavily struggled as he was put in that setup position behind um, instead of being in that closer role. And then, of course, going on to the Dodgers, where the Dodgers, you know, they're pumping out arms. They're finding guys out of nowhere that can be that closer guy that have developed through that system. And so I just think Craig Kimbrell hasn't been dealt the best hand over the last couple of years. And I think that if he gets solidifies himself in a spot, you know, like like you mentioned, Christian, Minnesota, I had him on a team later as well. So you and I are both going to have to find some other spots for that guy but or for that team. But again, a guy, like you said, he can be a reliever of the year kind of guy. He can be a top-notch guy. And of course, 
if you want to play the cards like the Cubs did, if the Twins want to, you know, are potentially not in a good position in the middle of the half of 2023 and Kimbrel's having a great year, train Wayne and uh, get some more prospects. Now moving on to the Detroit Tigers, a team that has just been wanting to win for quite some time. Having Miguel Cabrera sit there and unfortunately not let his Hall of Fame career end somewhere elsewhere that other, you know, for the longest time, it is hilarious to think about that they had one of the best starting rotations at one point and lost all of them, it seems like, at the, you know, at the snap of a finger. So Detroit Tigers, 66 and 96, fourth in the AL Central here this past season. The Tigers need to make a splash. And a guy that is near and dear to my heart, who I see as a leader and as somebody that can really make his stamp and really start his career you know, in a, in a different direction is Wilson Contreras to the Detroit Tigers. Obviously a big name, probably not a name that, you know, we're not trying to bring out the biggest names with this podcast, but the Tigers really can't afford to just get some small non-known names that aren't known across uh, the MLB. They need to try and make a splash. Looking at the Tigers specifically, Eric, I believe his name is Haas or Hase was their catcher last year that really started to, uh, that, you know, really sparked that offense towards the latter half. Um, with now adding Wilson Contreras, that gives them the ability to leave uh, Haas or Hayes at the catching position and put Wilson in the DH position. Of course, Cabrera, I know that that is a position that he's held. But if the Tigers want to win, they got to look towards that being as an option as well. So I foresee Wilson Contreras being a great option for the Tigers. You know, he's had four. He's, he's had four 20-homer seasons. He's been a guy who has been a great defensive catcher. I know he's had a little bit of a drip, drip the last couple of years in reference to defensive uh, statistics, but I don't foresee him not being a valuable add, especially with his familiar with a guy like Javi Baez and hopefully bringing some you know faith to that organization that those fans truly, truly need. I think Detroit needs to be great at baseball again. So that's who I have. Looking at the last team in the AL Central, the Kansas City Royals, 65 and 97. Christian, how are they going to get back to 2014, 2015? The way the beautiful blue on the TV in October and, and later November, what guy are they going to pick up or bring up that is going to lead them down that path quicker? Well, the Royals have been doing a lot of work the last couple of years to try and get some guys, some homegrown guys um, through their system and up into the big league ranks. And, you know, like you mentioned that 2014, 2015 era where they were really good was a lot of guys that they had developed really well through their system and came up. And a guy that I look at in that system right now, who I think could make a big impact for them moving forward is Drew Waters who right now on MLB.com, he's their number seven overall prospect. Um, Saw a little bit of time last year towards the end of the year as a September call-up, and he did really well when he was up there. Um, Hit around 260 with five home runs and a couple more extra base hits added on top of that, putting him into the outfield and making him a staple there. Could be a guy who over the years goes along really well with Bobby Witt, and I think that the Royals just need to keep doing what they're doing with getting these guys in their system and developing them really well and, and popping them out into the big league level at some point and just seeing how everything kind of blends together from 
the lower levels of minor league ball and all the way up. And for them, I think that Drew Waters is a big name to keep an eye on and see what he does in spring training. And if he is deserving of a spot on the opening day roster, I think you just plug him in right away and let him run out for the season and just get even more time and more experience. And that's a a real bright future for Kansas City if that works out for them. Yep, great points right there. All right, moving over to the AL East, starting off with the Big Bad Yankees. Won the AL East with a 99-63 and record on the year. Of course, the big news with Aaron Judge potentially coming back, not coming back, looking at guys like Jacob DeGrom, and some of these big names where, at the end of the day, the Yankees are probably going to make a splash for one of those big names just based on the fact that they're the Yankees. But if I'm looking at what they need moving into 2023, I I see them needing a, of course, now replacing Jamison Tyone, but having a guy that can be their number three if Luis Severino has injuries again in 2023. So my pick for the Yankees from a free agency standpoint is going to be Chris Bassett. And the reason being is, is that you know, he's a 160 strikeout guy the last two years. He's a workhorse. He was a workhorse for the Mets here this last year when, um, you know, Jacob DeGrom was down. He had to work alongside Max Scherzer to pull them along to the playoffs. But they need a clean rotation in 2023. Um, like I mentioned with Severino's issues, Severino can easily be their number two. Uh, while Cortez has had an unbelievable year and has that fastball that disappears on hitters, it's not to say Cortez is going to be as dominant in 2023. It's tough, especially with that style of pitching. But again, I could be totally wrong. So I just see Chris Bassett with being somebody that has, pro- has proven himself proven himself to be healthy, being able to be a workhorse, somebody that can afford those innings, and being able to work alongside with Nelson Cortez and Garrett Cole It gives the ability to not put so much pressure on Severino to have to be that number three or number two. And if he needs a little time off, as we saw with what Bassett did for the Mets, he can do it on his for the crosstown rival with the with the Yankees. So my projection is Chris Bassett to the Yankees. So moving on to second place in the AL East, the Toronto Blue Jays at 92 and 70 making already some moves here in the offseason so far. But, Christian, who is going up to the great country of Canada? Well, this is where I had Tyone going, actually, was to Toronto because the Blue Jays need to find themselves a fifth starter in the rotation um, after stripling left last year. So another guy that I could look at in Toronto uh, to be – the replacement there and and step into that role and maybe even save them some money to go make another bigger move over the course of these next couple months here in free agency is maybe a guy like Zach Davies, who has bounced around a little bit over the last couple of years and is coming off of two not so great years with the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. But Davies has had a few years where he's done really well for the club that he was with when he started out in Milwaukee Um, a few years there where he pitched really well. And he's a guy that you don't really have to worry about getting hurt at all. He's made uh, over 25 starts every year that he's been in the big leagues um, for the full year. And I think that if you plug him in 
to a rotation anywhere. He could be a great fifth starter for you um, and maybe, you know, might not work as deep into games as you might hope that a starter would. But I think if he's up there pitching in Toronto, I think it's a guy who you could get quality starts out of um, uh, for a handful of his outings. And that would be a great, a great cheap fifth option to add into a rotation. So for that reason, I think that the Blue Jays could go after a guy like Zach Davies. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Rays, 86 in 76, third in the AL East here in 2022, a team prolonged with injuries, not seeing guys like Tyler Glass now to the end of the year. A lot of issues, of course, with what they're dealing with, with just from the ML, from their team perspective, but Again, this is a team that still has a lot of depth, especially in their farm system, and so we're going to find a lot of those guys coming up. But one position in particular that they seem to kind of just let go there for a bit while they were, of course, competing there in the playoffs is first base. And I know guys like Yandy Diaz and, and Harold Ramirez and Isaac Paredes have been the guys that have withstand or withstood that position, but I think it's time that they make a little bit of a splash. Not to say that this is a, a particular big name, but somebody who's been consistent for year over year. Uh, I see a guy like Brandon Belt actually being a projected uh, player for the Tampa Bay Rays. Brandon Belt is age 34 season. He's now coming off a knee surgery that he, with what it sounded like from the Giants perspective and what we're hearing throughout the league, was that something that was truly needed for him and and now has reported that he has been feeling a lot healthier and feeling like he's back to his old self, which is very dangerous, especially because of the fact that what Brandon Belt has, did in San Francisco for quite some time. You know, Brandon Belt, uh, he's a 262 career hitter. A guy that can play first base, of course, the entire year has been a workhorse for other teams in the past. I like to see Brandon Belt with the Tampa Bay Rays because it's not like like I mentioned earlier with the Moneyball approach. They sort of are still playing that method, but they can they would more they easily can afford Brandon Belt. But more importantly, is that now you're adding a veteran guy with that veteran experience to help this young young crew move forward uh, in the right direction because honestly with that record that they had at 86 and 76 that plays next year especially if the Yankees drop off a little bit um, maybe you know if maybe teams like the Jays or the Indians drop off in in some way but watch out for them next year especially if they're able to make it a move like Brandon Belt okay one of my favorite teams in all of baseball a team that I was so hoping for their, for them to be in the playoffs this last year is the Baltimore Orioles, eighty three and seventy nine there in a twenty twenty two season with such a fantastic young core with so many promising players in that organization. Christian, who do they even go after at this point? Are they looking towards free agency or are they just continually building through their farm system? Yeah, they're definitely going to need to go to free agency at some point somewhere and pick up a couple of veteran guys just to have a little bit of that mixed in with the young core. But you set it up on a tee perfect for me when talking about what they have in the system and these young guys, because the the name to watch, I think, moving forward into next season is Gunnar Henderson, who has been a big-time prospect since the Orioles drafted him, uh, came up last year towards the end of the year. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he hit a home run in his first or second at bat in Cleveland when they called him up and I mean, finished the season with 
four home runs, seven doubles, and a triple last year. So there's a lot of explosive explosive nature there off the bat of Gunnar Henderson, and I think he's going to be a great top-of-the-lineup piece in front of Adley Rutschman and anybody else that the Orioles plug into play next year in that lineup. But I'm really excited to see him, and I think that Orioles fans are probably even more excited to see what Gunnar Henderson does uh, on opening day and throughout the rest of the season next year. Great, great pick. Uh, one of my favorite prospects in all of baseball, a guy who's an absolute gamer and somebody who's going to be, oh man, that Orioles lineup, if that works out, it's going to be very, very special. Would love to see them overtake that division and bring a lot of life back to that ballpark in Baltimore because, man, that place can get rocking like we saw in the playoffs, which seems like so long ago, but would love to see that again. Moving over or now to the last place team in the AL East, the Boston Red Sox, a team that every single year, it just seems like either they're top of the level, they're in the playoffs, and they're competing for a World Series, or then they have these years like this year where they just completely dropped off, really no direction, you know, with Xander Bogarts receiving those two offers from them, him declining both those offers, you know, they're trying to extend Devers, he's not ready to extend quite yet. So what do the Red Sox need to do to put themselves in a position to hopefully get a wild card? I'm looking at a guy like Brandon Drury uh, out of free agency. Versatile dude, solid bat for the middle of the lineup, and also very cheap. He was an amazing piece for the Padres last year, being able to be filled at the top of the lineup for them. But I foresee him being somebody that can be potentially a prolonged starter for the rest for the entire year for the Red Sox and really putting himself in, in a position to potentially be an, all, an all-star guy because – it seems like the last couple of years that guy has consistently been um, a great ball player for most for any of the teams that he's played with, and he just grinds out all year long and continually plays through 162. So I got Brandon Drury going to the Red Sox. The Red Sox are in a difficult position. Really, this pick of the Red Sox could be really more determined once they decide to do from the shortstop perspective, uh, if they decide to bring back Bogarts or bring in you know, one of the top four guys. But, man, it's it's – some scary things are happening in Boston right now. Could see Chris Sale go. You know, some of these guys that, you know, had brought that World Series to Boston a couple of years ago. Really interested to see what they do there into 2023. Okay. Now to the NL West, moving over to the other league here. So looking at the Dodgers, one of the best teams of all time. One of the best run differential teams of all time. I mean, I I think Christian they were like top five all time, and I think the other four were the Yankees. Is that correct? Something like that. Something like that. This sounds about right. Yeah, it was insane. But Dodgers coming off a hundred and eleven and fifty one season, but as we mentioned earlier, a hundred million in players coming off the books. So really an interesting. Dilemma there in for the Dodgers. Of course, the best record in the NL, along with with obviously the NL West title, but what do the Dodgers do? What do you, what are you seeing from your perspective, Christian? Well, they've got a few holes to fill and they've been, like you said, they've been clearing a bunch of cap space to try and make a couple of big splashes. And I'm sure we're going to see at least one big splash with some of the names that we've talked about a lot in the past episodes, but a guy who I think could be a good plug and play for the Dodgers is Chad cool who was a starter for the Rockies last year coming towards the trade deadline. The Dodgers were 
highly involved in talks with him, even though nothing came of it. But I think if they need to, or if they want to fill a piece of that rotation with a guy who might be just a one-year, two-year starter for them towards the back end of their rotation and give them a little bit of help there until they get some other guys healthy, I think that Chad Cool could be a guy who can come in and produce really well for them and give them a lot of good starts while they have him. And I think that since they missed on him and um, at the trade deadline last year, if they don't make a move at one of these big name pitchers in free agency and they turn their attention towards some of these smaller, smaller time guys, I think that cool is a, a great fit for LA. Like from your perspective, Christian, I look at his stats. He's got a 5.72 ER, ERA there in 2022. Uh, looks like 27 games started, 155 hits, 110 strikeouts. From your perspective, is that something that is the course field dilemma? Do you think that it was more of just the fact that he had put in a lot more work based on the performance from last year? I like it. I like your pick there, and I think that he's going to turn into a guy like a Tyler Anderson or an Andrew Heaney, where they just go to L.A. and somehow figure it out and turn it, you know, turn it completely back around. But from your perspective, do you see that being a big change and, and a valuable change for him? To move to L.A., you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, pitching in Colorado is obviously not a lot of people want to do it, and it's hard to do, which is why the Rockies can't ever get any good pitching here. Um, <laughs> but cool. also, I mean, you know, he, he, pitched, he pitched really well last year on the road especially, and even at home, I mean, for the most part, he pitched – he pitched just fine. I know one of his best performances came last year, I think against the Dodgers at Coors Field where he shut him out through a complete game shutout. And, um, you know, it's one of those guys where it's not going to be the most flashy of arms to get in your rotation. But like I said uh, before, it's a guy who is going to give you a lot of quality starts, be able to work deep into ball games, and put himself in a position to – maybe see those wins double even depending on how that lineup shapes out. Great points, my friend. All right, moving on to the second place team in the NL West, the San Diego Padres at 89 and 73, a team that made the big splash last year with Juan Soto, one of the biggest trades in MLB history, but now really a team that has the chance to overtake the division. If the you know Dodgers aren't willing to make those big moves and, really have a successful 2023 season. So really intrigued by what the Padres can do now with being able to bring back guys like Tatis and have more familiarity for Juan Soto and what they can do there in 2023. Right now, their starting rotation is not looking, uh, it does not fulfill that fourth and fifth position uh, in their starting rotation. So right now I'm going to be looking at a guy like Nathan Avaldi. I think from the perspective of Nathan Avaldi, he's a guy that is going to be on the cheaper side compared to some of the other big arms that the Padres probably can't afford right now based on the contracts that they have with guys like Musgrove, Udarvish, Machado, and, and Tatis. So you're looking at a lot of money on the books, and you need to fill that position in in the fourth starting role. And Nathan Avaldi, Christian, I want to kind of discuss this with you, but like from your perspective, with Nathan Avaldi having just a slight you know drop in velo, really showing signs of kind of consistency over the last couple of years. Of course, you know, being that big name guy who came out of the world series where he's coming out of the bullpen and everything, and then being, bringing him into that starting rotation. But 
from your perspective, do, can you see him being a guy who can potentially become a two or a three uh, in, for one of these big playoff team uh, contenders? Maybe more towards the side of a of a number three, I think. Um, you know, he's still got some juice in the tank, and I think with with what he does, he's pretty crafty, so he'll be able to find a way to get outs no matter what. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see where he winds up and what kind of situation that that puts him in, but I don't think any team's going to get hurt by picking up Uvalde at all. Yeah, because like you know, the way that I look at it is is now you know he's got he's had obviously those little bit of injuries and stuff, but if you bring him in and, and you know with a ton of opportunity for incentives and the opportunity to make his contract worthwhile for him based on his performance, I think that can really put him in a good position because you're putting him in if if they put him in the starting rotation, let's say tomorrow, he's going to be the fourth guy behind Snell, Musgrove, and Darvish. And then let's say Musgrove, Snell, or, or Darvish has a down year and, and Ovaldi is now in a position to where he wants to move himself up. I can definitely see him potentially taking over that third or second spot. But again, I, I agree with you where I see him more as that three. Okay, moving on to the third place team, the Giants. 81 and 81 here this last year, a team, playoff team from the previous year, down year this year, unfortunately, a team that we love to see in the playoffs. Unfortunately, not this past season. But Christian, from your perspective, what are the Giants doing here? Well, I'm going to get back into my my love for all these prospects. And a guy that I look at in the Giants organization that I'm really excited about, and I think Giants fans should also be super excited about, is uh, Kyle Harrison, who's a left-handed pitcher for them. He was a third-round pick back in 2020 um and the only reason he fell that far was because of his uh commitment i think to ucla and i remember seeing stuff about him being uh having some signability questions but they ended up taking him there gave him way above slot and i got to see kyle harrison bet when he was on the, the summer circuit his junior to senior year pitch at area code games and at perfect game national um which is a huge showcase down in Arizona. And when I watched him throw, I just knew that he was going to be super, super good. And that was one of like five guys that I picked that I said, I know for sure he'll be in the big leagues and be there soon. Um, looking at MLB.com right now, he's number two on their the Giants prospect top 30, and they've got him expected to make his big league debut sometime this year. And I think whenever he does that, it's going to be um, you know, one of those things where he comes up and maybe gets sent down once before he gets brought back up and is a mainstay in that lineup. But uh, throwing style a little bit similar to Madison Bumgarner, who obviously was great up there in San Francisco with that l- kind of low three-quarter slot. Um, just, I mean, electric stuff out of Harrison. And um, I'm super excited to see him come up with the Giants just because I've been in awe of him for so long um but i won't be so excited when he has to pitch against the rockies in the division uh but looking forward for the giants that's the guy that i look at for sure who is going to be a staple of that organization sometime soon great pick great pick moving on to one of the more intriguing up-and-coming teams the arizona diamondbacks who struggled there for quite some time but really now bringing on one of the best farm systems in baseball 74 and 88 this past season 
Now, when looking at them for the long term, of course, they have a lot of guys that are going to be their long term solutions. Alec Thomas, you know, guy, you know, of course, with guys that they drafted here in this last year uh, with uh, Andrew Jones's son and Drew Jones. But from my perspective, I'm going to talk about from a free agent uh, free agent standpoint, along with who they're going to be bringing up, hopefully towards the latter half of 2023. Now, for moving into this season. Uh, their last year's solution for shortstop was Geraldo Paradomo. Um, not the best year. Had a 547 OPS in 2022. So they must look towards somebody that can fulfill that position in 2023 to allow for time for Jordan Lawler to come on up through the ranks and be able to have a successful AAA season in 2023. The number One of the top prospects in all of baseball, one of the best overall athletes in all of the farm system across uh, the entire minor leagues, a guy that I am so excited to see come on up and have a successful career, hopefully uh, for the for the entirety in Arizona, and really bring that organization back up. But a guy in particular that I can see fulfilling that position for very very cheap is a guy like Elvis Andrews, a guy who was struggling at certain points with the A's, but then moved on over to the White Sox and actually had a breakout second half. A lot of Sox fans say that he was a key piece to potentially them getting into the playoffs by winning the division uh, after T.A. having his injuries and his issues. So um, in my opinion, I see them going after a guy like Elvis Andrews, allow time for Jordan Lauer to continue to develop. Elvis Andrews can supply a lot of that need. And let's say Lawler, you know, has an unbelievable start to the year and they want to bring him up right away. You know, as long as you have Andrews on a low, on a one-year contract, it's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to hurt any of your future plans. If you try and go after, you know, somebody who's going to need a two- to three- to four-year deal, you're going to put yourself in a more difficult position and not giving that opportunity for Jordan Lawler to have that consistent start at short for the foreseeable future. So I'm taking Elvis Andrews as the pick, but Jordan Lawler is going to be that come up there at the end end of 2023 moving on to the last place team I'm sorry I have to say it but the Colorado Rockies your beloved Colorado Rockies 68 and 94 both of us live out here in Denver how badly we'd want to see the Rockies be good again and how awesome it would be to see Coors Field rocking but they have to put themselves in a better position here moving forward so Christian give your honest opinion who would you like them see? Who would you like for them to pick up, or are we looking at a potential farm system guy that's really going to have an impact there in twenty three? Well, the Rockies, as every other fellow Rockies fan knows, we don't we don't spend money a whole lot, and when we do, it usually backfires. <laughs> um, so, looking ahead to next year, the guy that I would love to see them go after because he's going to be probably a little bit cheaper than what he would have been worth a couple years ago is Cody Bellinger and Bellinger. I mean, was an MVP um, not too long ago. He's 26 years old, super young. He can play defense really well, both in the outfield and at first base, which is something that the Rockies need. I know we just made that move to get Nolan Jones from Cleveland Um, but you give us a little bit of an extra piece in the outfield um, to go along with Gritchick and Bryant, uh, assuming that Bryant's going to be playing left field. 
um, and then playing. a guy who can add even more depth over there at first base, uh, and that's Cody Bellinger. I mean, he his bat has been the concern the last couple of years, which is ultimately why he got let go by the Dodgers. Um, but what a great place to be able to come resurrect your career in Colorado for a couple of years on a little bit of a cheaper deal, even if it means that we need to throw a little bit more to him than maybe what other teams might. I think Colorado needs to go out, grab that filler piece there in Cody Bellinger. And if that happens, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this lineup and that would be just awesome to see. So Monfort's go make that happen. Go get Bellinger. Yeah. I, I love that idea. I, and I know a lot of people think that, you know, he'll be a trade candidate and can go to another team at the trade deadline. And for the Rockies, that would be great. Um, but it'd be awesome to see if Cody Bellinger can start to re- resurrect his career in Colorado, you know, to have that as a hitter's ballpark and have that ability to have his career move forward there. That would be, that would be pretty awesome. And I would love to see some belly bombs in course field. Okay. Moving on to the NL Central with my rival and team I most dreadfully hate talking about, but I'm going to because I have to. The St. Louis Cardinals, 93 and 69 this past season. They unfortunately won the NL Central. A team that has so much talent coming up from the farm system, and of course, with the unbelievable duo of Goldschmidt and uh, Arenado on both sides, a team that really is going to be looking to have an amazing season here in 2023. I don't see particularly any prospects that are going to be that on the come up this year. I know that there's one particular name that everybody knows about, but if we're going to look outside the box and looking at something that can make a major, major splash, I see this team doing that, especially with having a little bit of money to use. I see them going after a guy like Justin Verlander. I think that they aren't looking for somebody for the future. They want Jack Flaherty to be that number one guy, but of course dealt with injuries and and issues. And if you don't want Flaherty to have that pressure again going into 2023 and having to try to be that number one, Justin Verlander, of course, at the end of the day, is a prolific number one Cy Young winner of uh, three-time Cy Young winner. And I see it playing very, very well in St. Louis based on the sole fact that they can completely overtake that division and really have that opportunity to win game one when it comes playoff time. You saw that happen this past season when they weren't able to win. That was some other circumstances with their bullpen, but you really solidify yourself as a World Series contender at that point if you're able to get a guy like Verlander. Of course, you can throw DeGrom out there as well, but if you're wanting somebody who has now gone through Tommy John surgery and has proven that he is back healthier and better than ever, I'm going after Justin Verlander, and and he's going to, you know, my projection to go to the Cardinals. Wild take, probably not my, you know, probably the not my most sure take that I've made today, but I, I don't rule that out, unfortunately, and that would... That would probably kill me inside. Um, moving on to the Brewers. Wrigley Field North, as I like to call it. And I hope that all my Milwaukee Brewers fans have listened in this far. Probably not a lot of them, but I hope one particular guy, Will Doherty, is listening in because I hope you know that is still Wrigley Field North. Looking at the Brewers, 86 and 76, second place in the NL Central here in 2022. Obviously one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball still. Your prediction there. Christian, are we seeing a farm system guy? Or are we seeing uh, a guy from free agency? 
No, I'm going to go free agency on this one. And one of the things that I look at on the Brewers is their bullpen. And what better guy to go after in free agency than a guy who looks just like your mascot? And that's Andrew Chafin, (laughs) who is a great left-handed pitcher uh, coming out of the pen. He's pitched all over the place, it seems like, in the last couple of years and has never really done poorly. And with the Brewers – getting rid of Hader last year at the deadline. Uh, I know that they got Rogers back in return, um, but to get a, a left-handed arm in there who can come in more in the middle of the game, like sixth, seventh inning, and just hold down the fort um, is something I think Chafin could do for them, and I think he'd be a great fit in Milwaukee. So for that, I, I think the Brewers should go after Chafin and get him in there and have – have a twin brother for Bernie Brewer. <laughs> That's such a great pick. That is such a great pick, dude. I didn't, th- I didn't think about him looking exactly like that. We've got now the Renfro and Trout thing, and now we got Andrew Chafin and the beloved mascot of the Brewers. My beloved Chicago Cubs, third in the NL Central, 74 and 88 this past season, full rebuild mode. When I'm looking at this team, everybody wants to talk about that they're going after the top shortstops, which at the end of the day, I am couldn't be more thrilled about the fact that we can have Nico Horner at second base, Nick Madrigal as a backup in those positions, and have the opportunity to move, move Nico, Nico over to shortstop at any time. But if we're looking at the rotation, okay, the team ERA was at the bottom half of uh, the uh, through the rankings from stats perspective. I would love to see them let guys like Ben Brown, Jordan Wicks, and Hayden Wesneski uh, continue to develop because they've done such a great job with their player development over, here, over the last couple of years and really have made big turns in reference to that. But I think a guy that we really need to look at from the familiarity of having Suzuki is Kodai Singa. And I believe that's how you say his name, Christian. Is that how you say his name? That is how you say his name, as far as I'm aware. You are, yes. So you you are my source when it comes to this. Because if this man comes to Chicago, and we have the Senga and the Suzuki show. Oh, man. Gets me emotional. Because when looking at what the Cubs can do for the foreseeable future... You're going to add an arm, 30 years old, coming over from such a dominant uh, career in Japan. You bring him over, give him that familiarity with Suzuki. The Cubs then probably boost up their team ERA, which puts them in a better position. You give time to those other prospects to develop. I know we can look at across the outfield and the infield and all that. I know that. But I'd like to wait another year to see if they want to make another splash with those one one of those uh, you know players in those positions. They again can go after a guy at the shortstop position. But man, would that just be such an invaluable addition to Stroman and um, and Hendricks to take a little bit of their work off their hands as they had to do that a lot last year and they've been dealing with injuries and all those other issues. Give me Senga in Chicago. Please make him a Chicago Cub. The Ricketts. Please spend the money. Please go get a guy that would make Cubs fans really, really excited about and that we can look at it as a guy that can be that two, three, four, 
again, could be a one, but looking at that two, three, four position to move into those years where we have a chance to contend for the playoffs. Cubs, go get Sanga. All right. Moving on to the Cincinnati Reds, 62 and 100. Whew. Okay. From your perspective, Christian, what do the Reds even do? I know they got some sick players coming up, but man, they are in full rebuild mode. Yeah, they've got a few really good guys coming up, and especially the pitchers. They've got some great starting pitchers coming up in that organization. We saw a lot of them this year. I mean, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and even a guy who was a little bit more under the radar, Graham Ashcraft, was really good for them. Um, You know, I mean, as good as you can be for being a Red, but what they can do to – really help out those guys, I think, is get a veteran catcher in there to be able to work with those pitchers. And as we've seen over the years, I mean, the the really good catchers who are good at working with the pitchers are usually on teams that are competitive. And a guy that I think they could go after is a familiar face in Tucker Barnhart. Um, Barnhart played there from 14 to 21, Uh, was gone last year up in Detroit, but is now back on the market. And some reports today that I saw that they've been in talks with each other and there's a mutual interest there and a reunion in uh, Cincinnati. And I think that that should be, I mean, if they're not going to be making any, any moves that are too crazy, which I'm sure they probably won't be, I think getting a really good catcher in there and a guy who's familiar with the organization would be, uh, just a twofold benefit for them. So Tucker Barnhart with Cincinnati is what I'm going to take on that one. Great pick and a great catcher. And we saw that, of course, with the Astros, with Maldonado, with what uh, a, a valuable catcher behind the dish from a defensive perspective can do for a team is something that a lot of teams would pray for. So now looking at the Pirates, last in the division, tied with the Reds for the worst uh, worst record in the NL Central at 62-100, and 100, as I mentioned before. The Pirates are, of course, in a full rebuild mode. I would think in a better position than the Reds based on who they have coming through the system, guys like Quinn Preister and then having guys like Brian Hayes and Ortiz at shortstop. You know, you're looking at uh, potentially a, a very, very dangerous offense there going into 2023. Now, they need to add on top of that in order to be um, – you know, putting themselves in a direction moving forward and trying to bring a winning culture to their organization that's been missing that for quite some time. I'm looking at a guy like Trey Mancini being a guy that could play DH or first base, depending on what they want to do with Chavis, if they want to keep him over at first base or if they want to just flip-flop them when they can. Trey Mancini, of course, had such a great career, has an amazing story with beating cancer, coming back, now being a World Series winner. One of the best stories of this past year. From a performance standpoint, of course, in the playoffs, he just really had no success whatsoever and was in and out of the lineup when it came to uh, from the DH perspective. When looking at the stats from when he was in Baltimore to Houston, in Baltimore, who's batting 268, 347, 404 slash line, before coming over to Houston at the middle half of the year with a 176 batting average, 258, 364 slugging. Look, he came over to a new team. He's a guy who's dealt with a lot, and now he's being put in a pressurized situation where he has to perform at a high level, uh, especially for a World Series contending team. You know, thankfully for for Mancini, there was a guy like Guriel manning first base. He didn't have to worry about that and had other options at the DH position. But I know that probably hurt him not to be 
uh, as valuable as a piece as they probably wanted him to be or he wanted to be for that team in the playoffs in the latter half of 2022. But if he's going to go to a team like he did with you know the Baltimore Orioles that were in rebuilding stage and be a veteran leader and be somebody that can be um, you know a mentor to a lot of those players coming up through the Pirates organization, I think that he would be a really valuable asset for that team and be able to solidify a spot in their lineup that they need to uh, get down immediately and have for that ne- next upcoming year. So I have Trey Mancini going to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. Moving over to our last division, the NL East, one of the best races all year in the eyes of some uh, fans specifically, but looking at the Atlanta Braves, 101-61, and 61, won the NL East uh, with you know little time to spare. Now the Braves, of course, have locked up a lot of their younger, uh, younger guys at such just wild, wild deals that these guys are signing to allow for, from a budgetary standpoint, to allow for the Braves to make these bigger moves for the future. So do the Braves now, Christian, are they going and making this big move or are they looking at something through their farm system? Well, the Braves obviously have the one big move that they've got to make and that's a shortstop, whether it's bringing back Dansby or picking up somebody else um, off the free agent wire somewhere. And, Another move, though, to look at outside of shortstop, I think, is in the corner outfield spots. And they've got all these guys that they've locked up um, for so long, but they need another piece there in the outfield. And even if it's not somebody who's going to be an everyday player, I think they need to get a little bit of depth there. And I think a good fit into just that whole Braves culture would be Rymel Tapia who we saw in Colorado for a while and then um, was in Toronto last year after the trade that sent uh, Randall Gritchick from Toronto to Colorado and Tapia went in return. Uh, played played well for Toronto as kind of a, like a fourth outfielder almost, if you will. Um, you know, hit 265 on the season last year, but where he does a lot of damage is on the base pass. And eight stolen bases last year in 128 games, I mean, is pretty good for them. Just adds even more speed to the Braves lineup that's already got Albies and Acuna and, um, you know, whoever they end up getting at shortstop, I'm sure is going to be a speedster as well. So if you throw Tapia in the mix there, I think that that would be a good under-the-radar get for the Atlanta Braves to try and repeat as NL East champs. Yep, and of course the team that, really fell short last year and unfortunate run there at the end, the New York Mets with winning over still a hundred games, still a disappointing season for that team and that fan base at 101 and 61. Now the Mets are really in an intriguing spot. Of course, they're going after DeGrom. They're trying to bring back and they're trying to bring a big arm into allow for that pitching staff to be back to its form in 2022. Now, one particular guy that got a little bit of a showing last year that is somebody that everybody needs to be ready for is Francisco Alvarez. At From the catching perspective, they do have, of course, J.J. McCann. But when looking at what they need to do for their future, I, I think that the Mets right now are really in that stage where they're going so much about their buying. And I think they really need to look at it this year as an opportunity for Alvarez to develop because this guy was ready to go. He got put in a difficult position there towards the end where he got brought up for the series against the Braves that really decided who was going to win 
the division title and at the end of the day bringing up a rookie and putting him in the lineup and trying to you know have him make an impact right away in that difficult of a position is so tough. So I feel for the guy, you know, he made it to he made it on the playoff roster. I believe he got one or two at bats. But this is one of the best prospects in all of baseball, one of the best hitting prospects in all of baseball. And I think this is somebody that in 2023 is going to make a major impact, but they need to give him a shot. And so interested to see, you know, do they have him as a primary DH or and and let McCann be that primary catcher? Or are they really going to give, you know, kind of split time there, um, which is what I'm guessing they'll do. So Francisco Alvarez, my big pick for the Mets when it comes to their farm system of who they're going to bring up. Okay. Looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, 87 and 75, one of the best stories this past season, uh, losing in game six of the World Series against the Astros that many thought that series was going to go seven based on how it was going. But Christian, this is a, a team that may likely deal with some issues at the beginning of the year, specifically with Bryce Harper now having his UCL surgery, I believe. So from your perspective, what's their route going into 2023? Well, they've got some holes that they need to fill in free agency, of course, being somewhere in the middle infield and then the bullpen too. But one person in particular that I look at at the Phillies um, in their minor league ranks right now, who I think is going to be a big time guy for them next year is Mick Abel, a big prospect for them um, out of Oregon, Uh, not the college, but just the state um, is a guy who who I've heard from some people connected to the Phillies that I know is going to be a big, big piece in that starting rotation, uh, possibly as early as opening day for them. Um, a lot of people in the front office are in love with this guy. And I mean, he's such a dominant pitcher too, through the minor leagues, um, last year, I mean, a little bit of a, of a lackluster year, but still a sub four ERA for him, um, through, 108 innings had a ton of strikeouts this is somebody who is going to be a staple in this rotation probably is their number three um and like i said it could be as early as opening day we could have to wait a few weeks or a month or whatever to see him but once mick abel gets up into that rotation i think we could all expect him to stay there and maybe even be a a way too early rookie of the year candidate for next year in the national league very nice. Okay. This one, I, I have an interesting pick here, Christian, because I have like a prospect, but then I also have a top pick and the prospect is sort of, it's kind of up in the air if he can make the pros, but I think he could be somebody that can make it based on his progression. But looking at Miami, 69 to 93, big news with Derek Jeter leaving his rights, his ownership of the Miami Marlins not agreeing with their direction of what they're trying to do, but who knows? Maybe this is a team that is in the right direction. But looking at particularly their lineup going to 2023, some pretty significant players in that lineup, and I think that they are starting to have those guys like Edwin De La Rosa develop, J.J. Bleday, uh developing into his own self from being such a prolific college hitter. I think that this is a lineup that can play here in 2023, but I think from a pitching perspective, I think their bullpen needs some work and specifically uh, from their closing uh, from their closer position. So looking, I'll start with the prospect that is is showing signs that he might be able to make it. That's Yuri Perez, their number one prospect in their farm system. Wild kind of right up here. He, after displaying a mid-80s fastball when the Marlins first scouted him, Perez worked at 91 to 95 during instructs in 2020 
and operated at 93 to 96 last season, topping out at 98. He's an extra long, super lean frame. So potentially a guy that, you know, who knows if he, you know, absolutely treads it up there in 2022, or excuse me, 23, maybe the first half and maybe the, maybe AAA uh, could be a potential call up that you see being put in that position uh, towards the back end of the bullpen. That'd be a lot of fun. One other guy that I would see from a free agency perspective that I could see being a guy that obviously would be in right away would be Ken, Kenley Jansen. I know Kenley Jansen probably wants to go to a team. I've heard rumors of him being connected to the Giants and some other teams that may be on a better chance of making the playoffs. But last-ditch effort, I see him being somebody that can go there. One other guy, I know it's kind of going outside our rules here, but this was a really interesting take I heard the other day, Christian, was Alex Reyes being a potential option to be a closer for them in 2023. Again, Marlins aren't in that playoff contention mode right now. They're developing. They've added prospects, you know, guys like Jacob Berry from LSU, who is just one of the best bats to come out of college. So they're starting to add these guys that can make them a contender probably in that 2025 range. But Alex Reyes, man, not a bad pick to have in your closing position. Thoughts there, Christian? No, I think that that's solid for sure. I think a guy like Reyes could easily fill that role in Miami and I mean who knows what the opportunities are going to be in the ninth inning for a Marlins closer but if you're a guy who is looking to kind of have a comeback season I think Miami's a great spot to do it and um, you know I might chip in too and throw in a name like Ken Giles maybe even to be a a guy that the Marlins could get I mean he hasn't pitched in a couple years just because of injury but was around a little bit and made a couple appearances last year. Um, so any of those kind of guys, I think, would be would be great fits to go to Miami and good guys for Miami to target as well. Absolutely electric arm with the Jays there a couple of years ago. Yeah, great, great take there as well, man. The Miami, Miami Marlins, they're just they're kind of just in this interesting growth period and figuring out what they're going to do and everything. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Our last team here on the list – the mighty Washington Nationals, World Series winner a couple of years ago. Now, who knows where they're going, but very, very positive direction now with that Juan Soto trade bringing in a haul of prospects that, you know, Mackenzie Gore and some of these guys that are really going to be amazing pieces for that team for the future. But Christian, 55 and 107, not in contention mode at this point. What do you see them doing here in in this uh, offseason moving into 2023, our last team here on the list? I mean, just going based off of what you said is, is spot on, and that's what I had here to talk about was they're, you know, they obviously coming off the year that they've come off, and it doesn't look like they're going to be moving up anytime soon, which makes it a tough destination for free agents to want to go. But you did get all these prospects back from that Soto deal. Uh, like you mentioned, Mackenzie Gore, they got C.J. Abrams, um, Robert Hassel, who is a guy that maybe not too many people know about just yet, but he's one of the top outfield prospects in baseball. And I think he's even the Nationals top prospect right now came over in that trade. Um, I think those are are three pieces that are going to be huge for them moving forward. A couple other guys to look at too, Cade Cavalli and Brady House, who are two younger guys that um, I think Cavalli came up for a couple of games this year, and we'll probably see a lot more out of him next year. And then Jackson Rutledge too, who uh, was a junior college arm that they drafted a couple years ago in the first round. And I mean, electric there. So 
everything that they've got cooking right now in their system, while it's not going to all fall into place together sometime this year or probably not even in 2024, but come 25, 26, 27, when they get all these guys who have had a little bit more time in the big leagues and a little bit more experience under their belts and start really growing a little bit into this game. It's going to be kind of exciting, I think, to see what all of these prospects have turned into both the homegrown prospects and the guys that came back in this Soto trade. So that's what I would look for for Washington next year is just all of these young guns that they've got coming up and being able to track that progression over the next few years. Well, folks, that is our projections and predictions for uh, the entire all 30 MLB teams and what they're going to be doing here moving into this offseason. Of course, a lot of these moves will be big-time moves, a lot of smaller moves, and, of course, organizational moves that can make a tremendous impact on the future for these organizations. So, as Christian and I said before, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Christian, anything to add before we sign off here? Enjoy the day tomorrow, guys, with family, friends, whoever you're spending it with. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will look forward to talking to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks again, everyone. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.